0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Scott Coolborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. That was the band out of Southeast Nebraska, Enigma. And catch them at a favorite venue near you. They're the official theme music for the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena show. Hey, so how are you guys and gals doing? Have you had a good week? I think for some of us, it's suddenly dawned that Christmas is coming up. Two weeks from last Wednesday, so it's coming right up. I'll do my my week prior shopping, and uh, I already have a pretty good idea of what I'm getting. Everybody, most people, except my shipment of coal, hasn't come in for a few people.
1: <laughs> As he looks at me,
0: <laughs> hey, yay, yay,
1: yeah, we need more music. We've got a great show for you this morning.
0: We'll start off with our own version of Pet Talk because Charlene is on assignment and not with us this morning. And then we'll go to Paula Harris and UFOs, ETs, and ExoPolitics, her regular monthly segment. We've got a main guest, a first-time guest, Corin Grillo. And she's the author of The Angel Experiment, A 21-Day Magical Adventure to Heal Your Life. Our main guest, Corin Grillo, today. Um, It was just announced that our uh, phone card provider that we rely on, Zaptel, uh, as of December 31st, will no longer be selling prepaid phone cards. The cards that are bought, that have been bought and will be bought, will be, of course, honored And so if you'd like to uh, join in those that have donated prepaid phone cards to the show, now would be your time. They'll probably have another carrier uh, lined up after the first of the year. We'll have more news on that later. Uh, Right now, you can go to the zaptel.com website, and uh, you can look at some of the cards there and think about the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena show. And by your purchase of a prepaid card, uh, literally thousands of people live and also through the archive get to listen to the program. We use these every week to call people all around the world. And let's see what else. I had something else I was going to bring up. Oh, yeah. So I felt like it was time for a change. So I had been wearing a goatee for a number of years. I shaved it off. So now I just have the mustache. I've told friends that I can never shave the mustache off because if you've ever saw blinds kind of go up in a window, bloop, you know, all the way from the bottom to the top, I think my, my lip would curl up without that, that mustache <laughs> being there, kind of holding that down. So uh, plus everybody needs a, a soup strainer, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a new look. Uh, some people have been shocked. Some people have been delighted. Some people have shaken their heads and walked away, <laughs> but that's the way it goes.
1: And you, I mean, I've just been so busy with show prep this morning that I didn't even notice until you said something. Yeah. So how about that? And it's it's a good look for you. I think, uh, you know, the ladies will love it. Well, thank you
0: very much, Jim. Have you tried the coffee yet?
1: I have. It's, uh, it's very good, very strong. I think I'm alert. We're, uh, we're bouncing off the walls here at uh, EUP this morning. Mm.
0: Mine's a little bit, it's lukewarm because I drove here in frigid weather. Mm-hmm. Speaking of frigid weather, what's the temperature outside, Jim?
1: Official airport temperature is 19 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. My uh, thermometer at my residence said 22, which is, you know, it's always a little bit warmer in the heart of the city. And uh, saw a few snow flurries on the way down. So, chance of snow? um, Chance of snow this evening. And uh, today it's supposed to be, uh, let's see, partly sunny with a high near 27. Wow. And uh, tonight, 50% chance of snow, mainly after 1 a.m., low around 12.
0: I think we're going to have highs <laughs> that won't reach the freezing mark for the, for the next four days it's, or so. It's uh, going to be a little cool. And uh, so it's a great time to get all those projects done inside, uh, all those books that you've wanted to start. Jump into those. And uh, if you do have pets that are outside, be sure and provide them a place uh, of shelter, of warmth. And uh, if it's cold outside to you, it's cold outside for your pets. So. Hey, speaking of which... Uh, we are at the uh, official site for the Capital Humane Society. That's CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And, Jim, I'm looking at a dine-in fundraiser. That's a fundraiser for the Capital Humane Society at Don and Millie's, Wednesday, December 18th. If you mention the Capital Humane Society, uh, they will give 20% of your ticket to the Capital Humane Society. That's very... That's awesome. Uh, that's that's really nice. I've heard a lot of businesses doing five percent and ten percent, so twenty percent is a is a big chunk of your ticket. So that's again Wednesday the eighteenth. If you'd like to eat some great food and also benefit the Capital Humane Society, go to Dawn and Millie's between four and nine p.m. Jim, how are your uh, your pets doing?
1: Oh well, my my uh, little Sally is spending more time in my lap because. Uh, you know, of course, it's a little cold outside, and cats being basically warm weather creatures, uh, they enjoy hot weather, but they don't like the cold so much. Even though they have that fur coat, they're, uh, they're actually, uh, they evolve from primitive cats living in desert or arid climates, so... And if, if you've ever had a cat in your lap, you notice their body temperature is higher than a human's. So uh, they, uh, they like to jump up in your lap because you're warm.
0: We've got uh, cats for adoption. We're going to look at Blue, Boots, Carl, and Charlie. And uh, Blue looks a lot like a cat that I used to own.
1: Okay, well, tell us about this cat that you used to own, and then uh, we'll look at Blue. Okay, I'm looking for blue on the page. There we go. Blue is a kitten. Awesome, waiting for it to load here. And the picture's bigger. Look at that, right in your face. What a beautiful kitty. Looks like a gray and uh, dark stripes, a little bit of white on the chest. Beautiful golden eyes.
0: And uh okay, Blue is our first cat off,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Blue has got a friend whose name is Boots. Boots is a two year old neutered male, domestic short hair, and he's really interested to see if anybody's going to stop out and see him today. And then we've got Jim Carl. do you want to do Carl?
1: Uh, I could do Carl. Carl's a black and white, uh, mostly black actually, with uh, beautiful little white patches on his nose and snout and uh, on his chest, a two-year-old neutered male, domestic short hair, And uh, Carl is looking for a warm home where he can lounge around and be adorable. And I think he's got the adorable thing down, Pat.
0: Okay, Jim, I'll do Charlie here as you get Paul on the line okay, here. Okay, I'll do that. Charlie is um, a great-looking cat. He's a new arrival. And when Jim used that term adorable for the previous cat, Carl, that also applies here to Charlie. He's a three year old spayed female, black and white, domestic short hair, beautiful eyes, and a great job on the photographer's part. So take a look at these cats. Boo, blue, (laughs) boo, (laughs) boo, 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 boots, Carl and Charlie. I'm Scott Colborne. This is the impromptu pet talk because Charlene is on assignment. And uh, we've got dogs for adoption. There's a whole bunch of cool dogs here. Um, we've got Zeus, Wendell, <laughs> Weasel, Robin, Rex, Oliver, Joby, Jinx. Great pictures, by the way. You got to see the picture of Jinx. <laughs> uh, Jake, Gunner, Ghost, Ducati, Clyde, Bugsy. Biscuit, Baby Girl, and Adeline. So, why don't you go to CapitalHumaneSociety.org and take a look at these great dogs for adoption. And they're open today and tomorrow. You can see uh, that you've heard about it here on the show. Stop out there during business hours and more information at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Charlene rejoins us uh, next week. And I'm going to take a pause to take a sip of coffee. Okay, that was more than a sip, but that's okay. So we've uh, we've had a great week at Colborneville. Um, everything's proceeding towards the holidays. I've uh, been in contact with a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I had... Uh, uh, lined up some guests today, and then inadvertently didn't carry them over to the master schedule. So my apologies to Trish and Rob McGregor, and we're going to have them on in February, <laughs> locked down and guaranteed. Uh, they've got a great book about phenomena, about all the changes that people are experiencing, and uh, we'll look forward to having them uh, in February. Uh, joining us now from, I believe, Boulder, Colorado, is our next segment guest. This is Paula Harris. Paula is a boots-on-the-ground journalist, uh, well-respected. She worked some years ago with the late Dr. J. Heinick in the Center for UFO Studies. She's the founder of the StarWorks USA UFO Symposiums that take place every November in Laughlin, Nevada. And she's a good friend of mine. Paula, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. How are you, Scott?
0: Doing fantastic, thank you. I shaved off my goatee so I look younger.
3: I saw that. And uh, saw that.
0: We'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I've already noticed that when I walk outside, my chin is cold. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes we need to do some changes in the new year, and the new year is coming up.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, so... Uh, what have you been doing in the UFO arena? what What has really got you interested in the last thirty to sixty days, Paula?
2: Well, the thing is, you know, there's some time now in this period of time that uh, you know is the holidays where I can read. So I've I've gotten at least four books that I want to read, and I've started reading them. You know that yes, I'm boots on the ground, but I can't do a story unless I do the background of it. So I have uh, I've gotten two of Jacques Vallee's books. One of them called The Invisible College. Oh, great book! Uh, which mm-hmm. deals yeah, it deals with the paranormal, which you're so interested in, <laughs> and uh, it, it starts out by saying that. We don't have the tools to examine the UFO phenomenon unless we look at the dimensional problem with it, you know, that you can have two people standing side by side. One sees something in the sky and the other one doesn't. And all these kinds of paranormal synchronicities that come with the life changing, um, life changing sightings people have that changes their lives, and so the I, I recommend the Invisible College to people that want to understand uh, the paranormal component to UFOs, and you know that's what Jacques Vale is into. I mean that's you know people are, he's very controversial in that he won't buy the the, the notion that it's just aliens from another planet. He thinks it's a manifestation of consciousness. So I'm reading that, and then I'm reading the Amicizia case, the friendship case in Italy, because in, um, when I went to Chile in, uh, in, uh, two, in um, September, I interviewed the people from the Chilean uh, friendship case. Amicizia means friendship. At the, and, and the friendship cases both in Italy, in Pescara, and in, in 19, the one in Italy was 1956, and the one in Chile was in 1985, was a group of ETs that looked like us that interacted with, the, with some um, people that they had chosen. Mm-hmm. So since I went to Chile and interviewed the people involved there, I bought the Amicizia Case, the Friendship Case book uh, by Stefano Brescia, and I'm reading that. So I'm trying to piece together how these two cases could possibly coincide.
0: Uh, interesting. Going back to that Invisible College book, there's quite a bit in there also buying about Dr. Jalen Hynek.
2: And Leo Sprinkle.
0: Yeah, they were and they were Leo all Sprinkle part of lives this.
2: lives up in Wyoming. They were yeah, all part of this if you, if,
0: informal group, uh, the Invisible College, that they were calling on other people from academia to to look at this, saying that there's there's a mystery going on. We should be curious.
2: Ironically enough, the first picture, the picture in the in the book, is taken right here in Boulder, underneath the flat irons. I'll be you gone. know with uh, with Alan Alan Hynek and Valet and. Sprinkle and uh, Claude Polar from the French um, uh, space agency, because there's space agency people in there too.
0: Yeah, I, I've got many I think... fond memories of Dr. Leo Sprinkle, and uh, uh, I should get him back on the show here. I haven't talked to him in several years. He's he's
2: Well, getting... you know, could we could we make a, a, an agreement here? I'd like to call him for Christmas. Uh, and, uh, and tell him I'm reading this, he's in it. Uh, so, yeah, let's get in touch with him, both of us, because he was one of the pioneers, and he's still around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and he was uh, so interested in hearing about people's personal encounters. You know, we've got to tie uh, Paula to Dr. Leo Sprinkle from a case that happened in Ashland in 1967. Um, we just, I think, just had the, uh, the uh, anniversary of that where patrolman Herb Shermer was on patrol outside of Ashland, Nebraska, a small town about halfway between Lincoln and Omaha. And um, he uh, saw what he thought was a bright light and thought maybe there had been some sort of a crash off the road. Uh, and when he came back to the uh, station house, he noticed that he had um, a period of missing time. And he logged that in, and things started to surface uh, in terms of memory. And he actually met some visitors uh, that took him out of his uh, patrol car, took him on his ship. And so um, when this report got to Blue Book, they asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle to drive down from Laramie down to Boulder and um, I think they drove out Patrolman Schirmer and his chief, but they met uh, Leo Sprinkle in Boulder and did a uh, psychological profile, and uh, I think they did a little bit of hypnosis also.
2: Wow, how interesting. Maybe we could look into this because, you know, looking at these cases really helps us today.
0: Yes, Paula, the, these friendship cases, it's so important for our listeners to hear about this term friendship because we've had better than 20 years of reports of, of um, gray aliens that are abducting people against their will and doing experiments on them. Uh, and <clears throat> I have wondered, what about the rest of these reports from earlier when there were humanoid ETs that were walking among us. And so this is so important. Can you tell me a little bit more about the uh, case from Chile, 1985-86? Yes, uh, I,
2: the Chilean case is, is uh, really interesting. I interviewed with an interpreter, um, a, a, one of the witnesses, Octavio Ortiz, And it's really funny because I met him in a restaurant uh, in Chile when I was there uh, in September, and he had had a dream before I met him that he was going to meet a blonde journalist. (laughs) And and it was really funny when he came to the restaurant, he looked at me and he said, I had a dream about you last night that that I would meet you. And I thought, oh, this is strange. And then he told me that he and his family had been approached by a tall, blonde uh, man who had very penetrating blue eyes. He said that the eyes were so penetrating that, um, that he had to look the other way. And the man called himself Carl. And I said to him, oh, that sounds like a German name, because we know the Germans had migrated to Latin America. And he said, yes, he did look like that. And what he wanted to say was that he looked very Nordic. And I said, and he came to your house, and he said, yes, and he met my wife and children and told me that they were not from here, that he was not from here, and that he was a scientist, and they were on the island of Chiloé, uh, off the coast of, of Santiago, and that these these people, I'm going to call them space people, were scientists, and they were trying to fix the ozone layer of the Earth. I have all. Uh, the, I just transcribed the whole interview so I could send it to you. <coughs> and he said they were they had been working on this and they had uh, they had agreed to uh, be friends with a certain number of the of the uh, you know uh, Chilean people. In other words, they had picked a small group of people they were going to interact with. So Octavio and his family were some of the people they were going to interact with and. And uh, Octavia said, "Why me? Why me? Why did you come to me?" Right. And the being, the person said, "Because in your DNA, there's something that is like ours, and we can communicate with you. Hmm. We know that for a fact. That in your DNA, you and your family have a compatible component to us. So I was very fascinated by all this, and." Octavio said, yes, uh, they would communicate with us by, again, crystal radio, which is exactly what the people in Giant Rock used, you know, the crystal radio to communicate. They would be speaking to ETs on crystal radio in Southern California in the 1950s. And crystal radio also in Pescara, they used the radio transmission, a certain frequency. they use crystal radios here and in Latin America so that when these people would call them up instead of using a phone they'd do it like, you know, a shortwave radio Mm -hmm. and so all of these components all fit in to the way that people used to communicate with human type DTs, which to me is fascinating
0: Uh, Are the, to the best of your knowledge, are these beings these uh, space people, are they still there?
2: Yes, in Latin America, yes. They are. And uh I talked to Octavio. I said, "Did you did you ever go to the island?" He goes, "They asked me to come with my family twice." He said, "I went to the uh I sold everything. I went with my family to the ferry boat to go to the island." He said, "I changed my mind." And I said, "Why'd you do that?" He said because it was too much of a chance to take. Mm-hmm. Oh, twice he tried. to he, he did it. And twice he changed his mind. He said, my wife is very angry at me because she would have loved to go. They spoke to my wife and children. They considered it a very, very normal. And he said, but I wasn't willing to give up my whole life, he said. I, I used to, But he got to the point where they sold everything and then went to the, you know, the ferry boat to go across to the island. And then, you know, I said to So you said no uh, twice. So then they stopped communicating with you, right? And he said yes, that he had very little communication, but he could feel their presence. Mm -hmm. So then I said, well, could they be walking among us? And he said yes.
0: Now, that was something that Ruth Montgomery postulated many years ago, that we had these uh, space people that were actually living here and walking among us.
2: Exactly, he said. The guy, the man that whose eyes he couldn't look into, he said, "Oh, it's just like us. He could have fit in immediately. It was a little bit taller. He was quite tall, but other than that, he could have fit in." Um, because I asked what he was wearing, I asked, you know, what the conversation. The conversation is always in the in the manner of, "Yes, this is an experiment. We want to communicate with you." Earthlings, and but we're here. The ones in Chile were there as scientists. The ones in Italy were there as an experiment. In other words, they actually did live among the people, ate. They were vegetarian. They ate the food of the people. They stayed in a in a castle named Roccapia in Italy, uh, and they were they were seen by there's pictures of them. They were seen by the townspeople. So the two cases really interest me because the people are so old that are involved with these cases. The one in Italy, I had to go to Lake Como to interview Gaspare di Lama. For the people that want to see that interview, it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's He would speak in Italian, I would translate. But Gaspare and his wife also was part of that friendship group. I had to go all the way to northern Italy to interview him, and I said, what was the message they gave to Earth? And he said, to unite, that there had to be world peace, there had to be unity, before any shift of consciousness would happen. So, you know, this this was interesting. For people who want to actually see the interview, to go to my YouTube channel, and you see me sitting there with them, I was fascinated. I was so honored. He's 92, so mm-hmm. this happened in 56, so they waited this long to talk about it.
0: You can, you can find out more, Paula Harris, P-A-O-L-A, paulaharris.com. And then on YouTube, you can look up Paula Harris, P-A-O-L-A, Paula Harris, and uh, see more there as well. Uh, Paula, Merry Christmas. Thank you for your friendship. And the Colborns and all the rest of us send you love and appreciation.
2: Well, thank you. Happy holidays to you, too, and enjoy.
0: Thanks, Paula. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Paula Harris, she's with us every third Saturday and uh, every second Saturday, let's make that. And uh, the segment is UFOs, ETs, and exopolitics. And again, the message is that there are beings out there that look a lot like us and uh, share some of the same interests and concerns, and we'll be uh, looking forward to talking with Paula later, more along those lines in that subject here. Paula Harris, uh, thank you so much for all that you do. I'm Scott Colborn, and we're going to take a break here for the bottom of the hour announcements. We'll be back with our main guest, Corin Grillo. She's the author of The Angel Experiment, 21-Day Magical Adventure to Heal Your Life. Along with Jim Shorty, I'm Scott Colborn. Enjoying the coffee. Hope you are as well. From now until December 31st, your donation to KZUM Radio will go towards sustaining your community radio station through the winter. Uh, thank you. Gifts are available as we look towards 2020. Uh, help set KZUM up for success. You can make a contribution online at kzum.org. And you might mention that you listen to those wacky, lovable guys on Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. That was inclusive, Jim. Uh, Yeah, uh,
1: wacky and lovable. I like that. Wildly, weirdly wonderful. Yes, that's us.
0: Our next guest is a first-time guest. Corin Grillo is the author of The Angel Experiment, A 21-Day Magical Adventure... To heal your life. She's the founder of the Angel Alchemy Academy. She has a background as a trained psychotherapist, an angel channel healer, and teacher. She's helped thousands of people from all over the world. She lives in Northern California. And um, the website that we will give out periodically during the broadcast is Corin Grillo. Uh, C-O-R-I-N-G-R-I-L-L-O dot com. Corin, welcome to the broadcast. How are you?
4: Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for, uh, for letting me be here. This is wonderful.
0: Now, uh, is it Corin? Am, am I pronouncing your first name correctly?
4: Uh, C- Corinne.
0: Corinne. Corinne. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Corinne, what, what got you started in the idea of um, helping others? Uh, obviously, that was a profession as a psychotherapist, what what got you motivated?
4: Um, you know, I, I feel like I've always been one of those people that it just enjoys talking to people one-on-one. And I remember even in college in the early years, sitting with a friend on a couch and and having such a great time talking to her about her life and me thinking, wow, gosh, it would be, if only I could get paid just talking to people. And back then I didn't have the imagination to think of therapy, you know? Um, so, so I've always kind of been into, uh, supporting people, but also, uh, my own history, my own past was a pretty intense childhood, a pretty intense early life. So I think when, uh, some of us, when we go through a lot of, a lot of, a lot of weirdness growing up. Uh, there's uh, there's something inside of us that does want to help and reach out and help others that may be suffering.
0: I've said many times on the broadcast, uh, Corinne, that a person who is a wounded healer, in my estimation, is much more valuable than a person who has never experienced heights or depths uh, and... Pontificates from a sort of ivory tower. Uh, oh, interesting, yes. There are a number of spiritual teachers that have written great treatises that have never really uh, gotten down and gotten their shirt sleeves rolled up and been in the depth of the human condition. Uh, there are others, of course, that have. And so I really value people like yourself that have gone through a tumultuous past and now can reach out and help other people. As a little girl, did you ever have an experience that you can look back on and say to yourself, that was, uh, that was weird, that was unusual, that was unexplained? In other words, did you, did you have any contact with angels or, or deities when, when you were a little girl?
4: Uh, I didn't knowingly, uh, I wasn't one of those channels or mediums that have, you know, seen dead people their whole life or anything like that. I mean, we did, I did grow up for a while, we were in a haunted house. So that was uh, that, but that I think as as I look back, that was the only paranormal, officially paranormal experience. Yeah, we used to have the spirit that call us on the phone. Wow. And it was like this little child, and it, it got really creepy because we had a lot of activity in the house, too, you know, doors opening and closing by themselves and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it was a very activated house.
0: Do you have brothers and sisters?
4: Yes, I have one brother who is a retired uh, sergeant major in the Army. No, oh, thank and, you, sir, um, for your
0: service. Great.
4: Yes, Yeah, big military family. So I, my father was also uh, served in Vietnam and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, military family, and uh, and even my mom was in the army. Believe it or not, you know, back in the back in the fifties. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, do you and your brother have a chance now to talk about your work, both as a psychotherapist and also how you've now gone into helping others understand who angels are? What's What's he think of of your work with angels?
4: Well, you know, I think in the beginning everybody kind of you know rolled their eyes like, "What are you doing?" Okay, first, <laughs> you know, you're a psychotherapist. Um, why are you talking about angels? What, what the heck? Because we weren't raised religious, and I really don't come from, at angel work from a religious viewpoint. I come at it from a mystical, spiritual, it's for everyone kind of viewpoint. And uh, and so, yeah, in the beginning, it was a little awkward for me to share with my family. And as a matter of fact, when I first encountered angels, I experienced what I call little angel shame. And so I was a little hesitant to tell people what was happening to me. And uh, because I come from a very traditional, mm-hmm. uh, in a way, you know, education. I was a therapist at the time, and I knew that it sounded crazy. So, you know, my brother just took it all with a grain of salt in the beginning. But now, I'll tell you, my whole family is like, whoa, you know, they're really, they they believe that there's something going on. They, they know I'm not just making stuff up because they see the impact that's happening all over the world because of the work mm-hmm. that I do with angels, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, who are? I mean, this seems just like we should all know this, but how do you define angels? Who are angels?
4: You know, that is such a great question, and you know, every time I answer that, my my answer changes a little bit. So today, what I'm going to say about that is, is that it really does depend on who who's who's talking. Who who's. who's who's, uh, you know, what, what what people's belief systems are. Um, and I try not to get too dogmatic when it comes to angels. Uh, what I can really say is that uh, cultures all over the world, religions all over the world uh, acknowledge that there are benevolent beings uh, here to support or or uh, act as messengers for humans. So whether it's indigenous cultures or major religions, they all acknowledge in one form or another that there's invisible support for us. So we, you know, they may walk with many names. I use the term angels because that's how they came to me. But I also understand them as something that, again, Transcends
0: religion, bigger than religion, more older than religion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back many, many years ago when I experimented with drugs, uh, part of that was the interest in altered states. Uh, I had read um, quite a bit of John Lilly and his uh, flotation tank research uh, communication with dolphins Mm. and it was intriguing that there was something behind the curtain of Oz. And uh, as a guy that's been kind of interested in mysteries his whole life, that set me sort of going down a number of paths. Some were concurrent and some were totally separate. Um, We all have a way at arriving at a final place where we can safely say there are other realities than consensus reality. And given that framework, what when did it change for you? When were you able to, in your heart of hearts and looking in the mirror, say, Corinne, there is other stuff going on here besides what we've all agreed upon?
4: Uh, yeah, well, I think there's two points. One is also in my early twenties, I was a big avid fan of, of illegal drugs. And so I dabbled a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was back when I was really, you know, I I don't know if I mentioned I suffered with depression for about for the first 35 years of my life, extreme depression. So, yes. So, um, the drugs, you know, helped. And also, you know, I had in a sense a secret death wish. So, uh, so the drugs helped with that as well. Um, but, yeah, so I did have some experiences um, or, you know, the world kind of opened to me. But it's easy to come back uh, from a drug experience and say, oh, that was just the drugs. So, um, so I kind of like tucked that away as I grew up. And it was really um, my actual encounter with angels that made, <laughs> made me look in the mirror and look at the rest of the world and go, whoa, this is not... What we're you know being spoon fed right now? There's way more to this place than I'd ever, ever thought of or known before. Uh, So yeah, it's just uh, it was it was really um, nothing that I was exploring or uh, I wasn't you know reading books and looking for it. It just kind of happened. You know, the angel experience just kind of happened to me, at me. And then I had to pick up the pieces and rebuild a life based on, whoa, okay, well, now there's a whole new world getting birthed here.
0: Would you honor us, uh, Corinne, with telling us that personal encounter, how it changed your life?
4: Sure, yeah. Okay, so, um, uh, yeah, my mid 30s, again, I was struggling with everything, yet I was, you know, a therapist working. Uh, pretty intensely with a in, uh, very uh, high-risk youth, uh, working with gang gang members and trying to help get them off the streets and, and things like that. And, uh, of course, I was super ultra-depressed, uh, burning the candle at both the ends. I had a, a three-year-old at home, uh, and I just felt like I was not performing well in life. You know, I was working too much not really able to do what I wanted to do with my with the people I was trying to help. And also, you know, my daughter at home, uh, I who I felt like she needed me more than I was able to give. So uh, the way that I survived that uh, was by uh, drinking about a fifth of tequila every, every two days, uh, taking a lot of Adderall to keep me to help give me energy, uh, antidepressants to keep me alive. and uh, And the list goes on, right? So that gives you a little a little idea of the mm-hmm. state I was in. And and uh, a friend of mine for my birthday, she bought me an angel healing or an angel reading, and I didn't really know anything about that. And and I just thought, hey, I'm just going to go see a psychic, right? I just thought, oh, yeah, tell me about my future kind of thing. And um, I went to this woman, and right away she starts telling me things that she shouldn't know about me. Uh, and... and uh, and it was stuff I didn't even want her to, you know, stuff I didn't want to talk about <laughs> at all. But mm-hmm. she said, well, the angels are telling me that this is happening and then and this is what you need to do about this. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. But it wasn't really that that got me. It was the energy healing, the angel healing that she give, gave me. I could start feeling um, energy or kind of um, effervescence moving through my body. And when I left that session, I felt like a different person. I felt a lot lighter. Um, And she said to me, talk to the angels as if they're real. You have a lot of angels, and they they want you to start talking to them and asking for help. And I said, okay, you know, I'll do whatever you want at this stage because I feel a lot better. So that's what I did. And uh, really automatically, it's almost immediately, these uh, synchronicities started happening. So I would be driving in a car and, okay, angels... I'm listening. Are you real? You know, show me a sign. And, you know, I remember a laundry, laundry truck driving right by, right back second with a uh, angel wings on it. It was like <laughs> angels laundry service, <laughs> something like that. Um, <laughs> And I had a lot of these instances happening. Not only that, but I started feeling lighter and lighter in my body. So it was like this joy started happening. Like my heart started lightening up. But uh, but all of it was like, okay, again, I'm a rational person and, you know, psychotherapy grounded human. So I'm still like there's this shadow of a doubt. Like, okay, well, maybe that's all a coincidence kind of thing. Um, but they were fly- seriously synchronicities were flying at me. And it was like I was in communication with something um, that was very magical. <clears throat> so it was about three days into this. I was driving through one of the ghettos of Los Angeles, going to my client's house. If you're familiar with Los Angeles, I was driving through Pacoima, and uh, and uh, as I was driving, a bird fell from the sky and landed right in front of my car. So I hit the brakes. And I drove slowly around the bird and I just couldn't even believe like it was so such a weird feeling to see a bird just drop from the sky and like make you break, you know, on on, on the street. So mm-hmm. I had to look and see what the heck happened and it was a a bird about pigeon size. I mean I'm no bird expert, so I don't know the <laughs> what kind of bird it was. It was about mm-hmm. pigeon size. And uh and it was um it looked like one of the wings were totally mangled and it was pushing itself up with the other wing. And uh, trying to put itself up, but it was kind of scooting around, and I just didn't think, uh, obviously, that wasn't going to work based on what his his broken wing looked like. So I had this, like, intense love and compassion uh, start pouring through me for this bird, and I felt horrible that uh, I, I, I didn't know what to do. For, you know, I'm not a bird expert again. Um, I'm not a medic <laughs> for animals. And I was in the ghetto, which is not a safe place to get out of the car and try and, you know, help help a wounded animal. So I called on the angels. Instead, I'd, you know, used my new trick that I'd been partying with the last couple of days. And I said, hey, angels, please help this bird. Take it out of its suffering. And I felt so bad that I couldn't actually get out of the car and help it. So I kept driving slowly, sending it prayers and good juju. And as I looked in the rearview mirror, I kept, you know, sending it blessings and As best I could. You know, I didn't know what I was doing back then. I was just, you know, winging "winging it, quote, unquote. And I look in the mirror, and I see the body of this bird start kind of shimmying a little bit on the ground. So I stopped the car because I just felt like something weird was happening. So I keep watching it. And as I watch it, a tiny bird from the body of that bird jumps up and flies away. Just a healthy little bird flies away from the body of that bird. Then a second one flies up from the body of that bird, flies away. And then a third one that's a little darker and a little smaller than the other two um, jump up from the body of that bird and fly away. And what was left on the ground was nothing. So I didn't know what to make of that, but I'll tell you what I did. I got out of the dang car because it didn't matter if it was a dangerous neighborhood. I had to go check it out. And so I checked it out, and um, there was nothing nothing left on the ground. The, the bird had transformed in front of my eyes into three healthy birds, flew away, and I was left there with just no explanation. And um, the it's not just that, but the energy that I experienced, the, mm-hmm. the presence was extremely powerful. I don't have many words for it, but it was just like a, a love explosion, a heart explosion. Um, and I knew that I had just witnessed... Uh, something big, and that moment really changed my life.
0: A late friend of mine would have termed your experience in initiation. Mmm. How does that? How that does is, that feel when you when you think about it in that term?
4: Well, that is definitely one way to look at it, especially when I look at the ordeal of life <laughs> that I went through in mm-hmm. order to in order to. <laughs> Um, kind of create an opening for something like that. Uh, Yeah, it it definitely was an initiation and did initiate a a whole new uh, life for me. So... That was definitely the first miracle that I witnessed, and that was to begin a series of miracles. And actually, it's been now about 10 years. I still continue to witness miracles. Now, now especially through the lives of the people that I touch, and they get to tell me what's going on, like with this book um, that I uh, published or with any of the other angel uh, rituals or programs that I do. So, I mean, that one miracle just... With like rocket fuel, and it was really, uh, what what was most striking was not just that that bird transformed, but it was how I transformed, how Mm -hmm. my mind, looking forward to my life, and life at at that stage started becoming a magical playground.
0: Uh, This is Corinne Grillo. She's the author of The Angel Experiment, A 21-Day Magical Adventure to Heal Your Life. Her website is Corinne C-O-R-I-N Grillo G-R-I-L-L-O dot com. you know we've we've been doing the show here uh, Corinne for uh, 35 years now and we've had a lot of people that have in ways similar and dissimilar talked about a revelatory personal peak extraordinary experience and and how, for a while, it felt like they were operating with their feet in two different places. Uh, did it kind of feel like that for you? Was there a, I mean, did you at that instant say, "Okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna change and give up some bad habits and adopt some new things"? There was probably a pull from the old as well as this wonderment and amazement in this this calling from the new. Did it feel like that for you? You had feet in two different places?
4: Yes, but I feel like the biggest way it manifested was like one foot in the rational world and the other foot in the the irrational, (laughs) magical world.
3: The extraordinary uh, world, yeah.
4: Yeah, extraordinary. And me rectifying those at at the time that appeared to be opposites. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was an illusion. It took me some time to integrate. Uh, both of those worlds and, and my identity essentially in those worlds, um, and, and how I'm going to approach life, how I'm going to approach my practice. And, you know, one of the bad habits I was doing was just doing traditional therapy for my clients, as opposed to including spiritual healing, right? So I was resistant to, you know, that was a separate world, like Mm -hmm. my little secret kind of thing, um, but uh, eventually I just had to burst, burst through and start owning it and <laughs> coming out of the angel closet a little bit because uh, that's the work that was really transforming my life. But Before yeah, I take the top-of-the-hour
0: break, maybe you could speak to, um, you know, I know a number of um, doctors, psychiatrists, mental health professionals, uh, many of them are listing right now, uh, and they have expressed, at least some of them privately to me, reservations about being too public about their own experiences or a fear that might jeopardize their yeah. their uh, profession yeah. the quote- unquote integrity they they feel that they're given by other people in their field could you could you speak to them for just a minute or two and talk to them about how you how you move from you know, just the facts, traditional therapy to the new Corin Grillo.
4: yeah, I and mean, it took some time because uh, as a as a you know as a psychotherapist, I know that you know if I'm telling my friends about, hey, I saw a bird divide into three, they'd you know put me on antipsychotics and hospitalize me, right, just keep me on watch for a while. So it it, 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 yeah, I was up against what many of the people that you're describing were up against, which is, <clears throat> you know, I have a license, <laughs> and and I don't want to blow it, and I want to be respected, and I spent tens of thousands of dollars with this education, I don't want to flush it away, but the pull inside of me. Uh, eventually outweighed the fear, and so I started coming out of that closet a little bit, claiming uh, the truth of my experience, claiming the truth of this new energy uh, healing that was happening through me. And and I mean, I didn't, I wasn't asking for it; it was just happening. And when I started owning it in my practice, that's when my business actually started exploding. So little did I know, people are are super hungry for the truth, for the spirituality, for for anything, for the irrational, um, because they want to heal. And I feel like all of us um, all of us professionals have to kind of jump off the ledge sometimes between, you know, w- what the old world is trying to tell us we should be, and what the new world is is calling for us to become. And uh, and I just said, there's been nothing but blessings. Those people who used to ridicule me and judge me are now calling me.
3: How did you do that with
4: your? How did you do that with your business? What's going on? Oh my God! I see the impact you're having. How are you doing it? And what I tell them is like, I did it by telling the truth. That's how I did it. Mm. And just, they
0: are still calling me, <laughs> still. <laughs> huh. We're going to take the top of the hour break. Uh, Corinne, I've got some Jack Reacher coffee in my coffee cup. And uh, you can refill whatever beverage that you're, uh, I don't know if you're a coffee or a tea drinker. Or... I'm drinking coffee
4: too, so that's a great idea.
0: Okay. And it's, it's great to have you with us. Uh, this will be a short break. We'll be back with more conversation. Scott Colborn with exploring unexplained phenomena. First-time guest Corinne Grillo is with us, and uh, folks from my own personal experience, I can speak out to a number of people that are listening live and and later through the archive. Many of us have had personal peak experiences, extraordinary experiences that cause us to reflect and to to shift, then we have to integrate those experiences in our lives, which sometimes means giving up some of the old to embrace and receive some of the new. Uh, Corinne, could you uh, perhaps, if it's appropriate for you, could you comment on that? Some of the things that you gave up that no longer worked for you to receive some of the things now that you're that you're enjoying.
4: Yes. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, How about that a lot fifth of
0: tequila? To... Huh? Did that?
4: <laughs> that probably had to go. Yeah. And what was interesting is that it kind of naturally. Um, started dissolving you know that it's like your cravings, my cravings started uh dissolving for those kinds of things. It really was coming from a place of self punishment and so when you're done punishing yourself, mm-hmm. uh some of these vices and things can sometimes naturally fall away and i I'm always shocked at um, especially with even you know the people um, that I've been working with over the years uh and um, how sometimes, you know, they, they have similar experiences where once they find love, like that deep uh, uh, permeating uh, soul level love and their heart is open again, that some of these behaviors naturally fall away. So yeah, and I'm not, you know, the thing is is that, you know, our demons they come around, you know, it's almost cyclical. They come around, uh but I find that the spiritual work, the soul work, the angel work helps give you resilience and um and a little more strength to to slowly say no to the things that are harmful to you. Um, and everybody has a different threshold. I'm not here to promote a ultra-clean lifestyle or everything's got to be squeaky clean because I feel like we get into trouble when we feel like we have to be perfect. Uh, But step-by-step, uh, with gentleness, I feel like it's it's possible for us to let go of uh, all kinds of things but i 'll say the biggest thing I let go of was my uh, in a sense my attachment and my ident- to to my identity as a psychotherapist that one was a really big one, probably bigger than the addictions um, but uh but yeah so you you're right you do have to uh, for me it was just letting go of um, uh, this deep need for
0: self-destruction that was that was a big one mm-hmm. There's also the sense too of wonderment that that one is embarking on this adventure. there is a, a zest, a feeling of uh, let's get on with this you know I and almost an eagerness that uh, something is beckoning and calling uh, almost as a magnetic attraction or force. Yeah. And we are being pulled towards that, Uh, and what a ride it can be. Yes. Oh, gosh. Tell us about angels uh, in our world. We certainly, through the Bible, we read about um, angelic encounters that people have had. Uh, Tell us about in 2019, almost 2020, um, are these the same angels that are interacting with people? What, what, what are some descriptions, or what are they like?
4: Yes, well, I, I believe that they are the same, um, and and but maybe a little a little sexier because we're living in a modern time where, where miracles aren't sexy anymore. So I, I feel like we, we need to bring the sexy back to all of this, all of the magic, all the miracles that are happening. But yes, I mean, how angels often manifest uh, depends on really the person so some people actually do see apparitions. Some people see them show up with lights or in lights. If you're an intuitive, even if you don't know you're intuitive or clairvoyant, even if you don't know you're clairvoyant, often you will see, uh, even with your mind's eye, um, apparitions. Now, people don't always see them with wings, right? They, they might just see like beams of light or sparks of light flash. Many people probably experience uh, Flashes of light in the corner of their eyes and just go, oh, God, you know, it's like a, you know, oh, my eyes, my, my vision, there's something weird with my vision. But often that's, you know, angels, uh, your, your guardians or your personal angels hanging out. So, yeah.
0: You know, they, they can be physical in appearance and nature. Uh, people can experience angels through, um, through dreams.
4: Yes, their dreams, Um, some people actually meet angels. I've had a lot of people tell me about the angel encounters that they've had along the way. Um, that are pretty profound that they come up they show up in a body and they don't realize they're an angel until of course they leave (laughs) and they like disappear like oh my gosh I had that happen to one of my clients he was going through this bad divorce and he was just so hard-headed and this man approached him in a um in a gym of all places Mm -hmm. and starts speaking speaking like bro language to him so he's totally down to earth like you know speaking like bro language but started just talking about his wife and started telling him and and ed this guy did not share anything with this guy he's never seen the guy before he starts telling him about um uh the man started telling ed about the kind of car he drove the kind of car his wife drove wow. um the ethnicity of his wife like all these things he didn't know and, and start talking about their marriage, and hey, last night you prayed to God, didn't you? And he's like, yes, I did. How did you know? And he said, well, here you go. This is what you're going to need to do. I want you to read this book, he told him, um, <laughs> to read the four love languages, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and said all of this wisdom to him. And he couldn't even believe what was happening. He was stunned. He was shocked. And if you, you know Ed, he's not one to get stunned or shocked. He's, he's just like a power dude. And it just dropped him to his knees. Um, and the guy said, okay, we're, we'll see you later. And it was one of those things, like Ed turns around, turns back around, the guy vanishes. Mm-hmm. So they can't show up as real people.
0: Hmm. Uh, it may be through a synchronicity, uh, a more than casual coincidence. Something may be going on that suddenly uh your radar goes bingo, this is this is extra special, this is extraordinary. And so they can they can work through synchronicity. Uh,
4: major. Yes, major. And I think part of our task as, uh, as rational humans, mm-hmm. is to ir- irrationalize a little bit and to step out of the, the thinking of, oh, that's just a coincidence, and start entertaining the possibility that that was not just a coincidence, that was a communication by, by spirit, and that you're getting support in different ways. And many of us just need to make a little small mind shift to start paying attention to the support that happens to you for the day, the, the nice, kind things, the, the beautiful coincidences of support that happen. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you start adding up that those synchronicities and they start v- building an extremely compelling picture.
0: The, uh, the nature of our existence is that miracles are natural. To not have miracles would be unnatural. And C.S. Lewis said it uh, really well, uh, and I'm paraphrasing very loosely what what he said, but it's something that we really should expect because they're all around us. And Corinne, one of the things that I sensed from you from our short conversation is that you have learned to trust your inner guidance. Yes. And there are so many people that are listening now and then uh, later on on the archive that are just waking up to that. Uh, Could you spend maybe a moment or two and talk about how they can go about learning how to trust that guidance and that inner voice again?
4: Yes. Okay, I'll tell you, uh, and I'm so glad you're mentioning this because we all have a voice inside of us right now that is trying to set us free, and we often dismiss that as an irrational whisper. Um, irrational voice. I don't have time. I don't have money. I can never pull that off. And there's only one way that we can be liberated, and it's by listening to that voice, because no one's going to hand it to us on a platter. And I didn't have that voice. I was not in tune with that voice until post angel experience, and and then all of a sudden I could hear this other positive, this other, uh, this other voice that was like, you know, subtle still, but hmm, what if I did go and learn more about angels is that a possibility even though i'm a therapist is that even okay it's irrational for me to even invest in learning more about angels because i'm never going to do anything with it but i feel this pull towards it and um and that and when you feel a magnetic pull like what you were talking about earlier scott you have a not just a right but an obligation to follow that pull because sometimes that pull will lead you beyond just in service to yourself. It could lead you towards a path of serving uh, broader audiences. In my case, it's <laughs> this whimsical angel thing eventually led me to teaching internationally thousands and thousands of people about how to talk and open up their lives to spirit. And so that's what I'm saying, that that little voice, that ob- is an obligation. There's only one way to learn how to trust it. It's to take that scary road um, where it's trying to lead you and leap off, be willing to fail, be willing to just, you know, <laughs> put, you know go, put your head down on the gauntlet throw everything down and and hope for the best. For me, I did not trust myself first. I trusted the angels first. Again, I witnessed a miracle so that I know anything's possible. And with that framework, I was able to say, oh, I don't know if I can do this, but I trust in you, so help me. And then, step by step, was supported. Every time I made a power move in a certain direction, that was the opposite of my conditioning, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so often our intuition are leading you into interesting territories. Sometimes you haven't even seen anyone else take this journey, take this path. But uh, it's really about knowing that you're supported by angels, by spirit, whatever your belief system is, Jesus, God, doesn't matter who, as long as you're connecting to something bigger. And if you don't trust yourself, trust something bigger. And now, over time, I've learned to trust my intuition because I've done it so much that I know if I'm kind of uh, super afraid, super terrorized and excited at the same time, that's probably the path to take. Mm-hmm.
0: The, the issue of trust is a, is a big one for a lot of people, and perhaps you can look at uh, an example, folks, like people like Corinne, uh, who are showing you, in a, in a way, showing you a path forward that when you do trust this guidance, this is what may result in ways that are appropriate for each one of you, uh, I met some spiritual teachers back in the 80s, Corinne, that talked about spending time in prayer and meditation and then uh, learning how to trust again by doing stuff like, okay, um, I've got Saturday morning open. Uh, what should I do that would be a good use of my time, that would be fun, rewarding, that would be life-affirming, that would be energetic, what would be good? And then being open to some stimulus that might come forward. It might come through uh, a newspaper. It might come through something said on the radio or the TV. Maybe a friend might mention it, but it may then help chart a course. Uh, sometimes it's just, it's just listening. Uh, and as you said, I think eloquently, stepping out of that rational framework to just entertain this. I'm fond of talking about a personal experience, Corinne, that I had when I was assisting Ray Bochet in a a UFO investigation of what happened in December of 1980 at two NATO Air Force bases in England. We were trying to get uh, witnesses coming forward, more information from the Pentagon, the government, feeling like some things were being blocked and we had been in contact with the late Senator James Exon from Nebraska, then a ranking member of the Armed Services Committee. And uh, I was thinking to myself, it would be great to have another way, another in, to be able to see him, just to remind him of our interest and kind of keep him on the case. So one day, I'm in a car with my friend Ed Rumbaugh, and suddenly... I knew that we were supposed to go to Target. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I said to Ed, I think we should go to Target. And he said, "Uh, you're a fan of Hawaiian shirts. Do you think they may have some Hawaiian shirts on sale? And I said, I don't know, maybe. I think, can we do this? Let's, Let's just go there. And he said, okay. So we drove to a location on North 48th Street in Lincoln. We parked And we're walking across the parking lot when out of the front door walks then-Senator James Exon. steps to the side and pulls his pipe out and loads his pipe up. So I said, I know why I'm here now. So I was able to walk over, reintroduce myself. We had a good three to five-minute chat before we parted. This would be an example, folks, of how Listening to this inner guidance, how this works. Oh,
4: that's amazing. And yes, it can be very irrational. like I think I spontaneously need to go to target.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I don't have any shopping list. I haven't you know been mowing this over. just it came in out of the blue.
4: <laughs> uh, and you did it., oh, so great.
0: I gave a talk uh, in November to a group on some uh, ghost stories, if you will, from Lincoln. And it was to a, pe- a group of people that had been through a re- rehabilitation process, and they were alumni. And uh, I was asked to give a talk because I was going to be the <laughs> the different speaker from who they normally have. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah. Uh, and at the very end, um, everybody claps, and I, I thank them for attending. And my, uh, my rep says, okay, Scott, can you reach in this wicker basket and pull out uh, a name? We're going to give a door prize away to somebody here in the room. And there was a gal, uh, Corinne, that was right up front who had been asking a number of great questions. She was very uh, fun to be around, a pleasant uh, woman, very energetic. She sort of piped up and said, oh, I suppose you're going to draw my name next and i looked at her and then the sponsor held up the wicker basket i put my hand in there and i pulled out her name
3: <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah. great
0: so uh, this folks me, me saying sharing these two stories doesn't make me special what what i intend for these is to have you Look at me as an example, Corinne is an example of what starts to happen when you start to listen, and Jesus in the Bible said it eloquently. He said, you know, whatever I do, so shall you and more. So you have this ability, uh, just, just listen. And there's, there's some magical adventures that await people, isn't there,
4: Corinne? Oh yeah, so much so. And I just never would have guessed. But yeah, it's absolutely uh real.
0: Have you had former um uh without revealing names and personal circumstances, have you had some of your former clients from psychotherapy that have now found out about your work that have contacted you? What have they, what have they said? Uh
4: yes, I mean yes, I, I do. And um yeah, I. You know what's so interesting is like nobody's shocked.
3: <laughs>
4: nobody's that shocked. Um, I think I've always just. I've uh, always been maybe a little off. You know, <laughs> maybe just a little off. But the you know a lot of them continued to follow me in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. So, like I said, a lot of people. What I didn't know is that uh, so many people are really craving. Uh, more engaged sacred life, spiritual life, but often don't have a pathway that is palatable for them, um, because maybe they reject traditional religion or, or felt rejected by traditional religion. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people, um, have continued to follow me in different ways or extremely supportive. But yeah, the roles have changed quite a lot. So, um, I'm impressed with, uh, any, anybody who's still kind of tuning in. <laughs>
0: And, and tell me how your daughter's doing what was that tell me how your daughter is doing
4: Corinne. oh my gosh well now I have two congratulations yeah yeah so my my uh my daughter's now she's 14 and then i have an eight-year-old and they are just they're just beautiful they're sweet and the oldest is just independent and gets on my nerve with her four, with her 14 year old self Uh oh, yeah. but she's yeah, you know, she's great, though. So they're, they're, you know, they're really beautiful kids and and happy, and, you know, we're just crossing our fingers we get through the teen years, okay, you know? We're <clears throat> doing a lot of prayer for that.
0: I, I posted on my, my Facebook page a Saturday Night Live skit from a year ago where um, there's a couple of folks, fairly famous actor and actresses, that are uh, reminiscing on a couch about, yeah, this is the best Christmas ever, and they kind of are thinking about, What's led up to that moment on the couch? It's just—I guarantee you, folks—that if you look at this, you're going to see part of yourselves in there. You're going to see the the uh, the couple relaxing and then thinking they're going to a moment of just rest and and being comfortable with each other. And then suddenly, there's the sound of glass breaking and one of the kids saying, "Mom, he hit me." <laughs> <laughs> It brings up so much of our, our personal stuff. Yeah, these, these kids can be uh, tremendous, <laughs> tremendous teachers. Now, Corinne, yeah, tremendous when I tremendous
4: teachers and tremendous triggers.
0: When I come back from our bottom of the hour break, this will be a little bit longer, so if you need to, to use the restroom, this will be a good time. I purposely stayed away from digging into the book, but now I want to kind of focus on the subtitle, which is a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life. And when we come back, can you tell us more about this invitation that you're making to people?
4: Oh, of course. Yeah, I'd love
0: to. This is Corinne Grillo and C-O-R-I-N-G-R-I-L-L-O.com is her website. She's the author of this brand new book that has this gorgeous front cover The Angel Experiment, a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life. Stay tuned. Right after this, we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about this experiment that you can also jump into. And stay tuned at 12 noon for Beta Radio. I'm Scott Colborne. You're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena with my buddy Jim. We're enjoying Jack Reacher Coffee. And yes, it's plenty strong enough. It's cold out of Lincoln today. It'll be cold for the next three or four days. So if you've got pets outside, make sure that they're going to be warm and have uh, water that isn't frozen. Take care of the pets and take care of yourselves. Our special guest is Corinne Grillo. She's the author of The Angel Experiment, a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life. And now, uh, Corinne, if we can... Let's talk about this invitation that you're making to people.
4: Yes, I'd love to. And I love that you're calling it an invitation because it very much is. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's it's also something that for those people that want to be quote-unquote scientific, they can do this. They can Uh be scientific.
4: Yes, absolutely. I, I thought, uh, you know, with, with the work that I do, um, it's always about having your own experience. I, I don't want people to just believe in angels based on what I say. I, I want people to have their own experience with them. But the best way to do that is to treat it like an experiment. Say, well, okay, maybe I believe, maybe I don't, but let's see what happens. So that's what this 21-day experiment is about.
0: Um, can you pick one of the days that maybe uh, I know I've got one which would be the I think it's day 18 the one with Raphael
4: uh-huh
0: um, tell us about what each day is like what what are people being asked to do
4: yes so um, so essentially each day I sat with the angels and the uh, how they originally brought through this information and brought through these days was the concept of we, want, we, have, we have some gifts that we want to give you, that we want to give people, and we're going to give you 21 gifts. And, and so I would sit down every day and ask her, okay, what's today's gift? So, you know, day one is the gift of miracles. And so what essentially what the angels or what this what the days do is that it opens up with an invocation. Um essentially like a prayer, a little bit different. And it's so miracles with Archangel Michael and Archangel Metatron. And so what happened was these two angels, you know, come in, you do an invocation, and then I walk you through the steps of a meditation, a healing and activation to help really open up your energy field to be able to experience miracles. Um, If you recall, the the first energy healing that I had, the angel healing that I had, part of uh, the magic that happened there was that uh, of, from the healing work, it was really, she detoxified my energy field. The angels detoxified my energy field so I could open up to the magical world. So that's very important to the, in the work that I do. It's not just about prayer. It's also about the energetics behind what we're doing and, and helping people detoxify. So each day <laughs> will either connect you with something beautiful or or it'll help you take take uh, detox from something that's kind of yucky maybe it's previous trauma or worry uh, or grief or or whatever it is so each day kind of builds upon the next
0: and the 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 flow of if it if you will the the course of the 21 days was there any planning or editing or is this is this how it came out from from them to you
4: yeah no this is this is uh, and uh, this is this is day by day what they wanted i even remember i don't know why maybe i was traumatized by by this but i remember deliberating with them uh about we were getting towards the end and and they still had not given the people the gift of forgiveness and I was like, well, what about forgiveness? Shouldn't we do it? forgiveness? And I just got a, such a strong no. And I remember just being like, what kind of angels are you? Don't want to give the gift of forgiveness? Like I, you know, I was getting all judgy with them. So yeah, <laughs> but I didn't include it because essentially all the work that I do is is theirs. You know, we're collaborators, and and uh, and so I wanted wanted it to be pure um, for for what I received for them. But uh, yeah, each day builds on the next, and it is uh, in its orig- original form.
0: Do you have a, a handy there by your elbow uh, Corinne, a copy of your book?
4: Uh yes, I do.
0: Could you open to to the uh, day 18? And yeah, would you 18. would you bless us with reading this message from um Archangel Uriel and Archangel Raphael?
3: Oh, sure.
2: The bottom I'd of love page you.
0: 138.
2: Okay, let's see here.
0: What this, what this day is about is <clears throat> divine health, and uh, I pray for a member of my family. As many people um, in the audience can also pray and hold up uh, a member of their family, a loved one, uh, friends, etc. Mm,
4: beautiful. Okay, so which parts would you like me to read? Specifically. Uh,
0: the channel message that starts with dear ones.
4: Okay, that sounds wonderful. Okay, here we go. So some of these days are cha- you know, have channeled messages. Some of them uh, mostly have just invocations. So this one in particular has a channeled message. so here we go. Today we see your perfection. We see you in perfect health. Your divine health is the truth. This body that you're in is actually designed for perfect health. It is designed for immortality. Today, allow us to awaken these codes of perfect and divine health so, so you can understand your body and mind's miraculous ability to heal to heal, to heal swiftly and with ease. Right now, surrender your aches. Surrender your anguish. Surrender any physical pain and allow the truth of divine health to emerge in every cell of your body and in all layers of your mind. And that is from Archangel Raphael and Archangel Uriel.
0: Um, for those that... Uh have received a copy of the book. Uh, you are also encouraged to go to uh, Corinne's website, and there are uh, audio meditations for each of these days that you can also uh, listen to free of charge. Um, yeah. Can we uh, can we either paraphrase and/or read directly the meditation for this day for day eighteen?
4: Okay. Oh, you
0: know what? I just closed the book. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> reopen it. Here. No, I've, yes. and I'm, I'm willing to, to change if, if this would not be appropriate if you want to talk about something else here.
4: No, this is awesome. I really appreciate this. Okay, so let's see what that meditation is
0: about. What I'd like to have uh, so, you folks do that um, if you're operating heavy machinery or driving a car to uh, either pull over or turn the radio <laughs> down for the next couple of minutes... Uh, and uh, those of you that can can uh, be in a place where you can become quiet, uh, why don't you do so? Uh, this is the meditation for day number 18 that's about healing and divine health. And, Corinne, yeah. I'll, I'll turn it over to you now.
4: Okay, so I'm going to do an invocation first so to make sure everybody's uh, connected with um Archangel Raphael and and Uriel. So here's the invocation. Dear creator of all that is, and Archangel Raphael and Uriel, thank you for coming to me today to help me experience divine balance and health in all of its forms, in every cell of my body and in every level of my mind. I ask that you clear me of any influences That are creating disease in my body or in my mind in exchange for perfect and divine health. I thank you, Archangel Raphael and Uriel. So with that, everyone just breathe, connect with your body. And imagine that they're sitting there, that they come into the space that you're in to help you with this healing. Imagine that these beautiful doctors, these celestial doctors, begin to touch certain points of your body that need the most support. So if you have aches, pains, or if you're noticing anything in your body that feels uncomfortable right now, just imagine that they're right there, giving you warmth and actually making that physical connection, touching those parts of your body. It's really important that you breathe. So go ahead and take a few breaths. Energy often moves out of our breath. So go ahead and take a few breaths. And you can, some people feel, see, or just imagine that this is happening. So if you can't see it, it's fine. Just imagine that it's happening. Um, Some of you may actually be feeling the energy move already. So just pay attention to even the subtle shifts that happen. Sometimes angels can be very subtle, but the more you, you attune your awareness, the better. So imagine them removing any physical or mental disease from you. And with every breath, you could just exhale it out. Surrender all of that pain, again, any aches discomfort to these doctors and ask that they remove the source, the very source of these aches and pains. Sometimes our aches and pains are just manifestations of other deeper root causes. So we're going to ask that the root cause of this be cleared and removed today. And we do this through the power of all that is the creator and through the support of these beautiful archangels. Take another few breaths and allow the miracle of deep and profound healing to enter your body and your mind. And right now you can even ask out loud and you can say this, take, take this pain from me, take this discomfort from me. And now out loud, you can ask for perfect and divine health now, continuing to breathe. And when you feel like this work is done, I want you to really feel how your body feels. You may feel a little lighter, a little uh, more hopeful. You may even be physically feel physically lighter. Uh, You may notice uh, energy movings or or some shifts happening in your body. Sometimes people experience like bubbles running up and down their legs or their arms. That's usually a sign that the energy is moving. So you just stay in contemplation. And even though we're going to close down this meditation, I want you to take today to stay in communication with these archangels, with Archangel uh, Raphael and with Archangel Uriel, and continue to ask them to heal your body and to remind your body of how to fulfill its perfect and divine health. Uh, so we're going to thank the archangels and the Creator of all that is for helping us create this opening for you today, and may today just be the beginning of extreme awesomeness.
0: <laughs> uh, well, well put. And this is this is intriguing. I give permission to activate my DNA codes for perfect and divine health. Could you just for a minute or two comment about that? What's what's going on with activation of, of DNA codes?
4: Yeah, so I was guided to include that, and essentially what they show me is that uh, our DNA is a little mutated, and uh, and and so. Um, the DNA codes are essentially what they showed me was a, was a blueprint of, of not just perfect and divine health, but also a blueprint for uh, immortality. And so, so what we do by claiming that and reclaiming that is that we kind of start telling all of this quote-unquote junk DNA. Uh, we start resurrecting our original form, and that includes our original consciousness. And I believe our consciousness is, uh, you know, we have the capacity to, to have um, an incredible uh, expanded consciousness, and I also believe that's part of our birthright, though we do we are here to just have a human experience, you know, experience all of it. Um, but, yeah, so that's what they showed me is, like, this junk DNA gets activated uh, to, a sense, uh, support the new blueprint that we were designed for but somehow um, uh, didn't get the codes for in, in their original form.
0: And my last question, Corinne, is what does a uh, Corinne Grillo do for fun?
4: Oh, that's a great question. Okay, I love dancing, and um, I also love hanging out with my with my children. That might not sound like fun, but I actually have a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like work all the time uh, so I do that I do that I love dogs and so actually uh, sometimes we'll go to a dog park even without a dog just to go watch the little dogs play so I love animals um, they light me up and actually I just I just went into partnership uh, for a dog because to to, uh, to uh, for a dog grooming mobile dog grooming business because we love dogs so much so it's like this little side business we're partnering with this really great dog groomer so dogs dogs dogs, dancing, um, and just really spending time with people that I love.
0: Now, Will Rogers, uh, Jim, had a great quote. He said, you know, when I die, I want to go wherever dogs go. <laughs>
4: yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, sign me up.
0: <laughs> uh, Corinne, uh, thank you so much for taking time from uh, your practice, from your, your work, from your family to be with us. And I oh, hope yeah. that the energy that you expend and share with others always comes back to you in full and complete measure.
4: Oh, thank you! And you know, the same to you, Scott. The same to you. You're doing beautiful work out there, and um, I'm so grateful to be to be here and be able to talk with you and your and your listeners.
0: All the best from us to you, and Merry Christmas! Thank you, Karina. Oh,
4: merry Merry Christmas to you! Thank you.
0: Her website is C-O-R-I-N-G-R-I-L-L-O, corinnegrillo.com. And the book um, has this, uh, did you notice, Jim, too, that when you grab the book, it has that cover that makes you want to touch it? Yeah,
1: sure. It's it's got a great
0: texture. I love
1: it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Great cover uh, that's done in blues and whites. Mm -hmm. It's called The Angel Experiment a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life. A former guest of ours, Lee Harris, uh, has got a quote saying, Corinne Grillo guides you on an intimate journey to a life where the miraculous is an everyday experience. And to that I would just simply say, amen.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And what did I tell you when I got off the phone with her? This is going to be a great guest. You you said it right. He's just got such great, positive energy. I could, I could talk to her all day.
0: Folks, our guest next week is Reverend Dr. Jimmy Shelbourne. He's the associate pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church. We're going to have a multifaceted theme. We'll talk about hope, love, faith, suffering, the message of Jesus 2,000 years ago, and how that's applicable today. Our special guest next week, Reverend Dr. Jimmy Shelbourne. Uh, in October, we celebrated 35 years of broadcast as the world's longest running paranormal talk radio program. And, folks, thank you so much, each and every one of you out there, for listening. Uh, we appreciate your energy and your good work, and we hope it, it can continue. Thank you for your support. And always, our special guest, Corinne Grillo. Uh, earlier, Paula Harris. And stay tuned now for Beta Radio. Jim. Has-